Hello, and welcome to the Fundamental Nerd Podcast. My name is Andrew. And my name is Nate, and this is a podcast about everything fundamentally nerdy. Yeah, where we just pretty much talk about everything nerdy and fun in this podcast. But yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just want to, you know, share our fun, nerdy, fundamental things. Well, this episode, I am player one. And so I'm going to be talking about Innistrad, um, a Magic the Gathering world. And I won't be going into the rules of magic, how to play or anything, as much as just kind of talking about the world, its lore, and how that lore kind of translates into some cool cards. And just kind of give you an idea of the story behind this particular plane and Magic the Gathering. I also kind of go into what I mean by plane and that kind of stuff yeah. as well. So you know um, where I'm coming from. Yeah, um, I'm actually glad you chose this um, as your topic this week because Innistrad is actually my favorite Magic plane. And I've been playing Magic for... Oh gosh, a long time. My first like official intro to like competitive magic was Invasion, which was back in like oh man, I don't know, like two thousand one, <laughs> something yeah. like that. So like, I played funny. a lot of Invasion and Odyssey and things like that. So uh, um, Industry yeah. is fairly new as far as it goes, but it's a really interesting um, plane to talk about. Yeah, I've only been playing um, since ooh, Kamigawa. I started playing uh, when Kamigawa came out for about two weeks, and then went to a tournament. And found out that my deck cycled, and I didn't know about that. And yeah, I, I promptly kind of put the deck aside, went back to my college studies because I couldn't afford to build a new deck at the time, and kind of forgot about it until uh, about 2015, I think. And I started playing again and got into the commander aspect of it. So I'm more of a commander player, but so relatively, I'm actually a newer player than you. Yeah, and I mean, these days I am not a competitive Magic player at all. I have zero free time for that. Yeah. I barely have the free time to edit this podcast, but um, I I do enjoy <laughs> editing this podcast. But um, I have definitely become more of a like social commander player. I have like three commander decks to your. I think I'm up to forty eight right now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you've got a big pool of commander decks to command. play out of. But I um, love commander because yeah. it is casual. You don't have to spend too much time thinking about it. Like I could probably devote myself to one competitive game at a time but um it was a lot of fun oh um but i guess i should say um me being in the player two slot i'm actually going to be um i struggled with this a lot i didn't really know what to talk about because i have a lot of spooky things i like and i just couldn't really figure out one thing to talk about and i was like "Ooh, i'll talk about frankenstein because like the idea of like frankenstein and frankenstein's monster is like a really fascinating thing to me but um i don't think i have the time to really dedicate in like 20 to 30 minutes to like talk about everything Frankenstein. And then on top of that, I just don't have the uh, the time in my like life right now to do the research to like make sure I talk about Frankenstein correctly as well. Like the social yeah. ramifications, like the science and like the political aspect and like the, the media spawn and like all that stuff. So um, I decided to settle with uh, something I've been really enjoying and um, I want, I'm going to be talking about, um, a really cool Netflix original show. It's uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. Um, it's very fun. It's very dark, but it's also very campy. And yeah. Oh, I've watched the first two seasons. I just kind of dropped um, off when I got really busy at work, and I haven't really caught up with gotcha. the third season yet. I think there's a fourth one out now, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's a fourth season, which I also haven't watched yet, but um, I watched the first three seasons, yeah. and I just really enjoyed it. And it's really fun, so I'll be talking about that more later, so... Yep. Uh, yeah, it's one of those shows, and it, it requires a lot less neck bolts to talk about than uh, Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to put on your scientist cap. Yes, exactly. Neck bolts. Not a word I thought I'd say today. Oh. Yeah. 
if that's one word. It's probably two words, neck bolts. I'm, I I feel like there's a... I mean, there's got to be a dash in there, right? That's got to be a compound yeah. word. Exactly. And it's funny because it's, like, it's only Frankenstein that you think of when you think of neck bolts. Which is really funny. I'm I'm sorry. I'm going to do a little Frankenstein talk right here. Um, everyone always talks like thinks like, oh, Frankenstein. He was like electricity and like he was put up on the high tower and blah blah blah. Um, Frankenstein has a pig's heart, if I remember correctly, and he has like cow parts and like cadaver parts and stuff like that. He's like essentially half human, half animal, and there's no bolts in him and things yeah. like that. So so just very artistic rendition, kind of like uh, what they did with like Santa Claus and Coca Cola. Well, I love one thing I love about Frankenstein is that he is as misunderstood by popular culture as he was in the story by regular people. He kind of mirrors the actual story in real life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess we're going to do a little Frankenstein talk, uh, Fra- <laughs> Frankenstein talk here right now. Um, Frankenstein was actually a vegan. Um, uh, uh, Frankenstein's monster specifically was a vegan. Uh, he refused to do harm to any livi- living being and only wanted to be accepted. And um, he was driven out for that exact reason because no one believed that he could not want to harm anyone being as like misfigured and like ugly as he was to the point where he was actually like driven to murder and like set on like a revenge course and things like Mm -hmm. that. And it's it's just such a funny concept to me. Like as soon as he made him, he completely regretted giving life and it like was this horrible thing he did to his creation. Yeah. Well, he was, like, relieved, like, in the book when, like, he went back to his house and the monster was gone. Like, he, like, jumps for joy and, like, goes down to his friend and says, like, oh, what a monumentous happy day. I don't remember how he says it exactly, but, like, his friend is like, are you okay? He's like, now I am. So, you know, I'm going to go find a fun video and I'm going to, like, link it so it's just, like, good information on Frankenstein. There's, um, I know yeah, PBS cool. did, like, a... A little thing on it i'll find something to link in the show notes just so you can get a little frankenstein knowledge yeah. in your brain but like if you also want to get that like frankenstein feel and like feel good about it you can watch frankenweenie and the thing about it that's like so interesting is that frankenstein has influenced so much writing including my topic which is um an illustrator what a great all... transition yeah <laughs> Um, Innistrad <laughs> is a world full of monsters. So you have your classic tropes. You have your werewolves, your zombies, your vampires, everything. But one thing that's interesting is that in the zombie category on Innistrad, unlike other planes, there are blue zombies. Um, in other um, planes like Armaquette and stuff, there's white zombies, which are kind of like your mummies and stuff like that from mm-hmm. like the Egyptian type um, side thing. And the blue zombies, though, or as they call them, scabs, are actually frankenstein-esque monsters where they are constructed Mm -hmm. not reanimated um out of cadaver parts and stuff like that and new life is brought to them yeah uh made made not raised yeah made not raised and it's actually a huge part of um the world that the fact that there's these kind of mad scientists kind of creating their own um zombie armies and stuff and that's one of the things that um kind of ties right into Frankenstein because you wouldn't have blue scabs if Frankenstein never existed. You might not even have zombies, to be honest. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of those kind of things, they kind of tie into each other. Of course, zombieism is um, from a lot of different lores and a lot of different cultures, so we probably might have still had zombies now I think about it. Yeah, and there's there's conscious and essentialism, um, which is like the concept of like a body that functions without a conscience, but uh, that's that's beside the point. But yeah, and um, I'm just going to kind of go over... um, a brief history of Innistrad, but before I do, I kind of want to talk a little bit about what um, Magic the Gathering story is and um, what, why it's so diverse in its topics. And 
Magic is a card game based in kind of a wizard's duel. It's kind of like the core aspect of it. You're two, um, what they call planeswalkers, um, fighting each other, um, casting creature spells that cr- uh, summon creatures to fight for you, or powerful figures like planeswalkers to fight for you. You have instant sorceries that you're sending at them, and stuff like that. And so it's this kind of epic battle between you and another wizard, and you're trying to win. And that's kind of the very, in a nutshell, what the game is about. My favorite part of the game is it throws out like puzzles and things for you to solve. Like your opponent plays a card you can't deal with and you have to figure out how to get around it and stuff like that. Yeah, there's some really cool mm-hmm. stuff in there. And it's one of those games that makes you think. Um, in the story, though, the you you got, you'd mainly play a planeswalker kind of fighting another planeswalker. Well, later on in the game's development, they actually created planeswalkers and they put them in the game. And they, the story kind of started following them. Um, the most popular one um, is the original Dominaria series with Urza and his crew. Um and so in Magic, um, each like setting and set is one plane. And so you might have one plane that like Dominaria, which is kind of like your classical fantasy plane. You have you know dragons and goblins and all that stuff. And most of them have those kind of things in there. But then you mm-hmm. go to like Innistrad, and it has a very horror theme to it with werewolves and vampires. And it's more of that kind of eclectic kind of horror black and white movie feel to that world mm-hmm. and then you go to like um kaladesh's kind of a steampunky um world with machines yeah. and mechanics and stuff like that and it's all tech based and you go to kamigawa and it's all spiritualism and um kind of asian culture um influenced um type world so they can jump back and forth between these planes and the planes um themselves have a different experience to time so some planes travel faster in time than other planes so they can kind of go back and tell stories um on the same locations but like hundreds of years in the future but the you're still following the same planeswalkers yeah and that that actually happened with like the mirrodin set where like you were in mirrodin and then you like left and then you went back and it was like a thousand years in the future and like everything was like blown up and being attacked so yeah it's interesting so to tell the story of Innistrad, you kind of have to talk about zendikar as well which is another plane mm-hmm. um which ties directly into the history of um, Innistrad. And there's a lot more um, in-depth histories on Innistrad. I'll, we'll link um, a really good video. It's about an hour-long video um, on YouTube, probably an hour and 20, I think, um, talking about the complete history. Yeah, and it's by a, a channel called uh, Etherhub, so I uh, just want to plug that in here right now. Thank you, Etherhub. <laughs> yeah, um, I use it for part of my research, um, getting out my notes and my names. I'm just going to do a very brief um, history of it um, because... I don't have an hour and a half to uh, talk about it. So, um, <laughs> in Estrada, we kind of start off in this kind of struggle. You see human humanity basically fighting against all these monsters, and they're not doing well. Um, werewolves are taking over, um, spreading the werewolf curse from human to human. Vampires are going crazy, drinking uh, blood from everyone, and the humans are losing the battle. Yeah, and um, there's poltergeists everywhere. Yes, and there's ghosts and everything. Um, that's the other thing I, I have to mention. There are angels in this world. Angels in magic mm-hmm. worlds are normally manifestations of the um, the people's hopes and dreams um, in the world. And so they kind of appear. And so right now there's a bunch of angels that are kind of spread out and do different things because different people have different hopes and desires. So you have some angels that are willing to negotiate with vampires and demons to try to save humans. Some that th- see that as an abomination. Some that um, do a bunch of things. And there's um, a whole thing about... The, the main sister um, angels, and they're like two color angels that I can go into, but I'm going to skip over for now. The most important angel to, know, um, to talk about, though, is one that comes a little bit later, and that is kind of 
I want to say probably hundreds of years later after the Malkovs became vampires and vampires are everywhere. The vampires are kind of going a bit crazy and basically drinking blood from everyone whenever they can. They they don't really care. And um, one, I think it's the great, great grandson of the main um, Markov guy, um, Sauron, kind of. Um, not that Sauron. Not that Sauron. Actually, Sauron. I think it's Sauron. It's actually how it's pronounced. Yeah. Sauron. Yeah. Um, kind of notices that they're going to run out of food. And if unless mm-hmm. you kind of control this, um, the the food base, they're going to eat the humans to extinction. They would have no foods, food to eat. And so he tries to calm the rest of the vampires down and no one's listening to him. So he mm-hmm. kind of takes matters into his own hands and he creates, um, he creates an angel called Avacyn. Now this, um, Avacyn is, was created solely with the purpose of protecting the humans from every monster on the planet, including vampires. And so all the the family and all the other vampires consider Sauron kind of a traitor um, mm-hmm. because he created this angel that's now um, boosting the human's strength. And in fact, the faith that the humans that build around Avacyn, because she's their protector, just makes her stronger and stronger. And there's a lot of interesting faith-based magic in Innistrad. The, the human's yeah. belief system actually powers a lot of the things that um, happen on Innistrad. Yeah, it's it's a really good representation of like um, the way that they kind of use the concept of like religion and praising mm-hmm. in um, a magic based setting where uh, gods are like, you know, things you can interact with where it's like, oh, yeah, of course, that God exists. So like what after this thing, it's just like, well, if we praise that God and thank that God or, you know, in this case, that angel, they're going to protect us better and do a better job of helping us. So we should give them all of our attention we possibly can. Yeah. And so, yeah, so Sauron, um, Sauron, uh, Sauron um, <laughs> creates this angel to protect the, the planet. And he also creates uh, what is called the Hell Vault, which is this giant kind of obelisk rock that she can use to basically seal away, away demons and devils and things that can't be killed um, to kind of protect the world from from them. So mm-hmm. she can seal away a lot of um, just big bads. So anyways, as Avacyn kind of gets stronger, the, the humans actually get stronger. And they start, you know, growing as a people. They feel more protected, and um, and kind of, and, and as best as it can be, the people prosper <laughs> in, in a yeah. shot full of monsters. As, as much that. as you can, knowing that there's like always vampires and wolves and ghosts at the gate, just yes. wanting to eat you. Um, and then Avison eventually um faces a demon, um, that she has she's trying to um seal away. Now this demon is um kind of special his name is gristlebrand gristlebrand is one of the four demons that uh a famous planeswalker liliana has a contract with liliana is a planeswalker who lost um wanted more power and wanted to live forever and always be youthful so she made a contract with four demons to um basically give her immortality and unlimited power blah 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 and so liliana decided after a while that she hates the fact that she has this contract with these demons so she went she's basically going through and killing all these demons that hold the contract so she can be free from the contract that she has with them. And Gisselbrand is now afraid of her. So he actually runs to Innistrad to kind of get, um, kind of get Avacyn to put him in the hell, hell vault, hell vault because he, that he thinks he can be protected from Liliana from the, in the vault. So mm-hmm. Avacyn and him have a showdown in front of the, um, the hell vault, but Gisselbrand being a demon and being who he is, when she's, about to put him in there, he grabs her and pulls Avacyn into the Hell Vault with him. And she gets stuck in this kind of prison made for celestial beings. Yeah. So um, she's stuck in there. There's a few witnesses to this. Um, 
Micaeus, I'm going to probably mispronounce a lot of names here, the, um, the Lumark, and a couple other people mm-hmm. who kind of keep it secret. Um, Micaeus kind of uses it to his advantage. He basically takes over the whole church of Avicen and becomes like the leader of it. He's he's the, the evil uh, archbishop from uh, Three Musketeers. Yes. So he has power <laughs> and holding on to it. Later on, um, there's a whole backstory to these two, but they're my favorite characters in this whole thing. Um, um, Gissa and um, Groff, her brother. Yes, my two my two absolute favorite characters from this setting. Yeah. I cannot express how great of a dynamic these two characters have. So this is a brother and sister duo who um, the sister likes the traditional necromancy of raising zombies from the dead. Is it Geralt? Oh, Geralt. It's hard to pronounce magic Geralt, names. Yeah. Um, yes. He is um, into the blue scab um, zombies, and he creates them. And they have um, this basically ongoing kind of rivalry, which one's the best. And so they have mock battles and whole things where they sent armies of the undead against each other to try um, try their strengths against each other. As as siblings are ought to do, you know, when when, when you want to settle a, a simple quarrel, you uh, sick armies on each other. Exactly. Well, you just explained most of the medieval... Um, royal families and uh, actually i guess that's true yes uh, <laughs> i guess it holds <laughs> yes um in the, in the story though um um Micaeus is in his kind of high holy city um on Tharban, and the two siblings basically send armies to take it over they, they kind of set their court quabbling aside and decide they're going to conquer this town together and so the humans are kind mm-hmm. of fighting against these um, zombies and they don't really have the power of Avicen anymore. They still have that faith magic because they still think she's there helping them. So they do get some strength from that, but they are not doing the best during the battle, but they are fighting off the zombies. This is where you get cool um, characters like Thalia and stuff like that who are fighting off these zombies. Mm. So yeah, so during all this, um, Gareth um, kills uh, Micaeus and declares himself the winner of the kind of of like his army did better because the sibling duel. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so you have this whole battle going on. He dies. And during this whole thing, Liliana kind of appears and she's hunting down Gristlebrand. And this is the last plane she found, um, heard that he was on. And she went to um, talk to Micaeus to figure out if he knew where Gristlebrand was. And of course he's dead. So Liliana doesn't let a little thing like death get her away. So she resurrects mm-hmm. him, and he um, basically tells her that she, um, that Gristlebrand is in the Hell Vault with Avicen. So Liliana goes and tries to destroy the Hell Hell Vault. Hell Vault, <laughs> and mm-hmm. yeah, she can't. She yeah. tries her all of her magic, and she can't. And she realizes that she needs the local faith magic to overcome the Hell Vault and open it up. So she makes a deal with Thalia. Um, that she can, but well, I say make a deal. She basically threatens because Thalia at this time has kind of started cleaning up the zombies in the town, and they've kind of pushed back the armies. And um, Liliana kind of shows her some magic, shows her basically what she can do, and be like, "Okay, I can either destroy everyone and kill everyone, or you can destroy this hell vault and this giant yeah. rock that you don't really care about." Yeah, and it it is it is worth stating that Liliana is the strongest necromancer to have ever existed. Yes, so yes. she just kind of like like watches like eh, exactly. I can do better. And the Hell at this time as well. I don't think the average person knows too much what it's for. I think Avicen knows what it's for. Uh, Macias knows what it's for, but 
you know, the average soldier doesn't know. So basically she was asking them to destroy this monument with their faith magic. And so they did. And so they broke it open. And of course, countless of demons and devils and everything comes out and um, out with it comes um, Avacyn, which mm-hmm. people are like surprised that she was trapped in there. And Avacyn gets back to work helping people. And while she's doing that, Liliana goes and uh, d- d- kills Gristlebrand. That's Basically, just nonchalantly. Yeah, like just oh, stab, dead. No, but no, they have a battle and they <laughs> kill. Him. Yeah, they're one of the other people who escape this is another planeswalker called Nahari. Now, I have to go back in time a little bit um, and go back to Saren. Um, um, Saren, uh, Saren. <laughs> I'm gonna say Saren so many times. Um, Saren, and talk a little bit about what he got up to as a planeswalker. So Saren left um, mm-hmm. Innistrad because he was worried about threats that could destroy his plane. And he meets up with Ugin, the spirit dragon, and Nahari, and they kind of form a group to go and to stop and seal away um, the Aldrazi on Zendikar. And so they find out about the Aldrazi, and they create this kind of seal to protect Zendikar from them. The kind of Cthulhu-esque monster race of the Magic Universe. It is, it is worth saying that that is not where the Aldrazi are from. No. They're from the outside of the uh, what we know. There's very little known about them. They're just giant kind of huge entities that only really know hunger and things like that. And they come into our world consuming it. And only parts of them appear in our world. like, And they affect the world. They kind of mutate the living creatures around them and stuff. Well, yep. they successfully seal away the potential of the Eldrazi coming to Zendikar. And they um, left Nahari in charge of protecting this um the seal and then later on eight breaks and the Aldrazi come out long story short um things are going badly and Nahari um tries to fight them off and can't and then calls for help Ugin doesn't help and neither does Sauron and so she um kind of settles things down but it's still not fixed yeah. on her plane and she um, goes and tries to find the other two planeswalkers she finds Ugin and uh, finds out that Ugin has quote unquote died and the story he's pretending to be dead at this point mm-hmm. and Sauron um, is back on his homeworld so he goes back to Innistrad to, to meet him and he just kind of throws off like he doesn't care that that happened to her plane he just kind of gives a cold shoulder to her and she gets kind of madder and madder and they end up fighting over it and to kind of teach her a lesson, he throws her into the hell vault for countless years. She's stuck in this vault with demons and devils and all manner of things. So she's just in there plotting her revenge when she gets out. She thinks her homeworld has been destroyed. So she decides when she gets released from this hell vault, because it's just been destroyed by Liliana, she decides she's going to have revenge. And um, long story short, she basically pulls the Eldrazi into this world she creates um basically magic um that kind of lures them into the world and has them start wreaking havoc people start going mad some of the werewolves and other creatures start turning into eldrazi type creatures on mm-hmm. the planet and um yeah so there's this whole kind of just basically chaos and insanity and nahari is actually joins in with the humans fighting off vampires and werewolves alike so she's getting a following with the humans to and an army so she can go and face off with Sauron on Sauron's on Cern. and um and so yeah so that kind of 
heads that way. During that whole time, um, a couple other famous planeswalkers come in and kind of become a big part of the world. Anyways, long story short, um, they, um, Nihari and um, Sauron kind of have this huge battle. Um, Nihari kind of seals him away in a rock and plunges like a spear, I believe, into his side so he can't planeswalk. So he's like constantly in pain, can't planeswalk. And um, the super friends kind of get together with Tamio and they um, lock the Eldrazi, that entity, in the moon. And so he can't leave and can't influence much of what happens in Innistrad. And that's kind of where that leads off. And now the new set that just came out. We have two new sets. Um, the Werewolf one came out just now. Um, I think it's the Midnight Hunt. And I think the other one is the Crimson the Crimson Vow, I believe is the second one. Um, that Crimson Vow has not come out yet, but that's the newest set. And we're kind of finding out a little bit more about the history. I mean, um, what's happening on the planes. This is years later. Um, people are kind of getting back to life without the Eldrazi going everywhere. The vampires are getting uppity again. But that's kind of the background of this of this world. So you have all this crazy stuff, all these personal agendas coming through. And they're doing new things. Um, if you're an old player kind of looking at some of the new standard stuff, there's new art treatments that they're doing to the new yes. standard sets where there are going to be certain cards that fit them of uh, that kind of aesthetic. And this this um, this go around is kind of a very graphic black and white, like yeah. alternative art. You can get like a normal piece of art or you can get these kind of cool graphic black and white art. That's just amazing. Um, but yeah, Innistrad, it's a very fun setting. It's out right now. And as I'm sure you've gathered from last week's episode, I'm a really big uh, vampire werewolf, like spooky, supernatural kind of fan. So I'm, I pretty much dig Innistrad just based on that whole thing where mm-hmm. they made a set that like just makes me happy <laughs> as a simple concept. So that's pretty much um, Innistrad in a kind of a nutshell package. Um, really fun yeah. set, really fun commander stuff. And I really think um, it's a really cool setting. I really like the history. Yeah. I like the stories. Yeah, there's there's lots of flavor to it. That's what I love about Innistrad. Yeah. Pretty much everything, really, but Innistrad's got a lot of flavor to it. But... And if you want more detail on the stories, you want to hear about all the angels and all the brother and sister and stuff like that more, check out the video that we have linked below. But there's even more in-depth videos online that go into more and more of these characters. And, of course, there's the original stories that you can look at as well. But, yeah, it's a very deep history. Yeah. So we could probably move on to topic two. Yeah, so yeah, we're going to go ahead and head into a little break here just so we can kind of uh, get a little drink of water and all that stuff, but uh, we'll be right back. Hey everyone, it's Nate. Just here with our really quick uh, middle section right here. Just going to let you know first off, um, we're just going to be doing this as a bi-weekly podcast going forward. Um, it's just kind of hard for me to kind of balance the... Uh, the editing with the rest of my life so we're just gonna go to bi-weekly so i can keep putting out a good show rather than like rushing it out and kind of uh sacrificing other parts of my life um but yeah thank you so much for tuning in and we appreciate you so much and here comes the second part right now all right thank you so much uh for bearing with us while we took a little break we're gonna jump into my spooky topic right now um in my player two slot I'm going to be talking about a very fun show. I'm going to be talking about the chilling adventures of Sabrina, uh, the teenage witch. But it's not really called Sabrina the Teenage Witch, because that's a different show entirely, isn't it? Yeah, it's based in the same world. But um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch is basically a 
kind of a, a Disney knockoff of the actual story. Well, actually, this is kind of a dark yeah. knockoff of the actual story, too. I think somewhere in between yeah. the two is what the actual comics were like, but I never read the original comics, so I can't tell you. Yeah, because, like, the original comics were, like, originally, like, a Sunday paper. I, I don't want to speak on this because I don't know the truth on it, but, like, they were pretty, like, campy, like, high school drama stories. and Ironically, I call them Archie-level comics because Archie's one of those kind of styles of comics growing up that you knew like so they were superhero yeah. comics and they were Archie comics and the Archie comics mm-hmm. were the ones where the people kissed and the superhero ones were the ones where people punched that's what I remembered as a kid yeah. <laughs> but but it's funny you say that because Sabrina is in the Archie universe so yeah, yeah they're definitely related but um yeah um I guess I'll just kind of jump this off right here um so the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina was a show that started in 2018 um, it's a Netflix original show, and it does take place in the same universe as Riverdale, which I have not watched. I have. I watched a bunch, and there's a whole season about how D and D is evil and it'll take over your kid's life, which is yeah, sad. I mean, it. I mean, it, it did. It, it did. did actually take over my life. So. Uh... Well, yeah. Well, this one actually made a cult around it. But yeah, it's it was definitely a, a fun episode actually. But it was just kind of like when I first I'm like, oh come on, don't do that traditional D and D's evil. But actually, no, the story was really good, and it was actually more of a game that the um, that was in that was kind of in the story arc. I won't want to go into what it's, what it's about or anything because I don't want to give away mm-hmm. um, yeah. what the show is for Rivendell watchers. People who know the show know that there is D and D is like inspired one of the seasons. It's not a huge giveaway, but yeah, it's. Um, it's interesting. Though. It's an interesting tie over. Oh, um, I do think it's really important to state here. Uh, I do want this to be like a, a spoiler free Sabrina thing. So don't expect to get any like, you know, my favorite episode or things like that. I just really want to talk about like why I enjoy this show so much and like why I enjoy the characters yeah, that are in the show so much. And that, I just want to talk yeah. about that episode where Sabrina gets killed off right away. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She just she just like bites the bullet and she's just gone. And you're just like, what are they going to do? Like, like this episode is like three is like this season. Yeah, it's, it's like, <laughs> wow. OK. And then the show's not about her whatsoever. No, I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then Godzilla came in and just like ate like her aunties. It was so weird. Yep. Yeah, I remember that episode. That um, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I really just want to talk more about this show as a concept. Um, first off, I think it actually is a very fresh kind of take on like a made for teenagers kind of TV. Um, don't quote me on that because I don't really watch too many like CW like teen drama shows. Like I didn't watch iZombie. Um, I, I only watched a little. Yeah, Sorry. I only watched like a, I I know the plot of uh, of I Zombie where like she's like a scientist and like she like eats their brains and like gets like little like snippets and stuff. I want to watch it because it sounds really fun to me. I just haven't watched it yet, um, but like I watched like the Flash and things like that. So yeah, I was gonna say I watched um, a lot of CW, but it's all the the Arrow universe Flash. But I did watch I Zombie, yeah. which I didn't know was a CW show. I watched it on Netflix. It, I, it, it like asked I me to think watch it's it a CW. Yeah. It asked yeah. me to watch that show for so many, like, a couple of years. And I was like, you'll like the show. You'll like the show. And I just got this rut. Like, I had nothing to watch. I'm like, oh, I'll watch the show. And it, was, it surprised me. I liked it. But yeah, I like Sabrina. It's a really fun, um, like, telling of a story of, like, like of a of a teenage girl, like, coming to, like, you know, adulthood. Because it, it kind of focuses on her, like, turning 16. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the end of, like, season three, she's turning 17, essentially. So it kind of takes place in, like, that kind of a timeline. Yeah, um, it kind of has that whole, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're you're uh, you're an antichrist, blah, blah, blah. But um, it does this really cool thing where it just kind of, like, explains how witches would exist in, like, 
the modern world and things like that. So um, the the basic premise of the story is Sabrina is a half human, half witch. Um, her parents were, you know, illegally wed because uh, warlocks and witches are not supposed to marry mortal humans. So they kind of broke that first rule. And, in and this, um, she's being... Sorry, just to kind of take a quick spot because you just talked about this. Um, so in this world, witches are a different species, basically, and warlocks are kind of yes, a different yeah. species. It's not like traditional witches where it's a normal human who got corrupted by... Um, Satanism becomes a witch. It's actually uh, almost like demons, witches, humans. It's like a different species. Yeah, yeah, and and it's not like Harry Potter either, where like you can be like a Muggle born and become a witch. Like like you're you are a witch warlock in like the circle. So like essentially, her parents like did cr- like commit a very big like faux pas and things like that. But um, so it just like really creates this really funny dynamic like right off the bat where um. Normally, like, if you were a witch or a warlock, you would be going to witch warlock school, like, right off the bat and, like, be, like, doing all the magical stuff. But with her being half human, um, up to this point, she's, like, lived as, like, a mortal raised by two witches, her two aunts, uh, Zelda and Helda, um, who are actually probably, like, two of my favorite characters in the whole <laughs> show, just for, like, two very different reasons. Um, and it kind of, like, tells that whole story where, like, once she turns 16, she has to go and go off to witch school. Like, this is the whole first episode is her, like, struggling with that dilemma. Mm -hmm. And uh, she has, like, two fantastic friends. Uh, One of them is named Susie. The other one's uh, name is... Yeah, Susie is... uh, Susie's fantastic. And then the other one is named uh, Roz. Um, And, like, Roz is, like, a fantastic character. She's, like, that, like, gung-ho, like, you can't tell me what to do. Like, I make my own choices because I'm a strong woman kind of, like, character. And it's just, like, really fun to see her, like, prove her points and stuff like that. Uh, Roz has, like, a really good story arc in the whole thing. And then um, she's also dating this uh, uh, guy named Harvey, who you find out his backstory. You're just like, oh, man, this is, like, getting so deep. But um, the whole story um, that's going on in this entire thing is, like, a really good, like, compounding buildup. It does kind of get a little excessive on, like, the shock that's going on and things like that. But suffice it to say, Sabrina refuses to play by the rules at any point in time through this entire show and kind of keeps causing more and more problems that she has to deal with. And every time she creates a new problem, she won't like do the normal problem resolution. She'll say, no, I'm going to do it my way, fix that problem and then cause a new problem. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just really fun to watch her just kind of like struggle. It's like a really strong, like teenagers make mistakes and that's okay. Kind of story. One of the things I wanted to say about the show, too, um, that I found very interesting, kind of talking about, like, the basic stories, I just want to take a step back and just talk about, it has a really interesting cast, like, British and American kind of mixed yes. cast that brings in faces like Richard Coyle from, like, the old coupling series and stuff. He's a fantastic actor. He does a really good job on some of the Terry mm-hmm. Pratchett movies and stuff like that. He's He's just an actor that I just love. He plays a character called Father Black, and... Yeah, and then of course Michelle Gomez. I love her. She's from Doctor Who, so she uh, she's mm-hmm. a, she's great in that as well. She's she's a she's a very prominent character. Oh yeah, and um, so my favorite is um, my favorite character, like or not character, my favorite actress that's in this is actually uh, Miranda Odo. Um, she was actually um, in Lord of the Rings. She plays um, um, oh, I'm, I, now that now that I'm recording it, I can't say the name, but Eowyn. So uh, Eowyn is actually the um, the has that like super like um super prominent like i'm cool moment in uh the final trilogy of the lord of the rings movies um 
where she's fighting the witch king and the witch king like tackles her and knocks her down and says like you foolish mortal i can be slain by no man and she like stands up and takes her helmet off and she says i am no man and just stabs him in the face and it's uh it's so good and um she yeah and she's in this and she plays aunt zelda and she kind of still has that like like gung-ho attitude and it's just fantastic fantastic I mean, in Lord of the Rings, she's Erwin, just so good. It's one of those characters. Tolkien is super frustrating when you're a kid reading that book. The amount of names like Sauron, Saruman, um, Eowyn, Arwen, you know, that, that are almost yeah. the same name, <laughs> but slightly different, was frustrating as a kid. So I always mispronounced her name when I read her, it, and um, I called it Eowyn, so I can remember that she was Well, yeah, because it, it's spelled uh, E-O-W-Y-N. Yeah. So, so yeah, and yeah. when I actually heard somebody pronounce it properly, I was like, wait which one are you talking about but i always just in my head had to do that to make sure i knew which one was which but in the book she was so cool and then there's a whole part of the mm-hmm. book where like after she uh you know stabs the witch king um she gets super depressed and her and um, um faramir the um, barmir's brother have this great scene where they're kind of recuperating together and she's such an awesome character in that story she, i it's weird as a side character those two just really stick out for me um and I just love their characters and the actors that they got to play. Both of those characters were fantastic. I love that they picked her and she did such a great job. Her and her brother, the person who played her brother, who's in a lot of things as well. But yeah, she is really cool as Zelda. A lot darker than the old series, though. Yeah, so um, so I like I like Zelda and uh, Helda's um, interactions in this story so much because they have like this like constantly annoyed with each other like sibling thing going on where they're always fighting with each other and um this isn't spoiler at all in my opinion um it just kind of takes a little of a shock but they have this really cool spot in their garden that's called the uh, lazarus pit and if you know anything about lazarus he was like you know like resurrection blah 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 like 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 avoided death essentially and um there's the they kind of fight it out and there is a point in time where like they do kill one another and then bury each other into the pit yeah <laughs> to bring them back later on so like they get out that like i'm so frustrated with you and like they like kill them drag them to the pit bury them in like in their garden and then they wake back up and they just go ah, well that was rude yeah. and then they just go back to living their life it's really good and um i didn't even talk about the other character that's in this that i actually love like probably more than any other character is um ambrose so um ambrose is her cousin Oh, who, like right. lives in the. I love Ambrose. Yeah, and he um yeah so um so I guess it's it's worth saying that they run a mortuary because you know if you're witches why wouldn't you not run one um That's so it. he's actually on house arrest because he attempted to blow up the Vatican like he he tried to bomb the Vatican and the church was like the 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 Church of Satan was like that's a bit too much you can't just blow up the Vatican so they put him on house arrest so he can't leave the house. <laughs> But he's got some funny dialogue throughout the entire thing. And he's got this like, oh, Sabrina, don't do it. But also I get to live vicariously through you. So I'm not going to fight this too much. Mm-hmm. He has the kind of astral protection thing he does as well, which is quite cool in the series. Um, just visually to see. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's there's cool magic scenes. It is, like I said, very dark. If um, I found a bit some mm-hmm. of this stuff a bit much when I watched it. Um, over the top kind of t- took away from the story. But then... The story itself was quite interesting, so I kind of just ignored that bit and put it in back. Like, okay, yeah. yeah, they're just trying to shock me now and trying to push mm-hmm. it a little too far. But 
like I said, the sh- the show itself, if you just ignore that, those bits works really well, and mm-hmm. I really like the still slight campy aspect to it sometimes, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. just the fun interactions the characters have with each other. Is this yeah, yeah the um the other the other thing I actually really like about this show as a whole, um they um they really do a good job of paying homage to like a bunch of horror movies that have existed in the past, um. They um there's like if you look at it there's like little like like um Easter eggs throughout the entire thing like there's wallpaper and things like that from um an old uh, horror movie that's escaped my brain all of a sudden again because we're recording it's called like Ciprica Ciprica Cip I can't remember now but so um, I don't watch horror but the, like their their wallpaper throughout their entire thing is that um there's a scene where um um Harvey is dressed up just like a character from um, Nightmare on Elm Street. There's a scene where she wears the exact same dress that like in is uh, presented in Rosemary's Baby. Like there's just like a bunch of these little like sneaky sneaky things throughout the entire thing that are just really good. Um, yeah, I think the show also does a good job of kind of creating a like a place that feels like it exists in a moment of time, but also kind of timeless. Like you can't like pick. Yeah. I think Rivendell was kind of like that as well. Like there are things like oh cell phones or something like that, but then same time like is this like supposed to be in, like the fifties? It's a lot of kind of back and forth. Yeah. feel to it. So it has a time yeah, aspect like, um, to it. Yeah, they they it has that thing where like they'll be on their cell phones, but they'll be in like this like old like nineteen fifties esque diner drinking like milkshakes. Yeah, and like talking about what's going on, and like there's like um and then like it has like the reverse where like there would um they go to like this like monster themed like bar that's in town that like serves coffee and has like horror books and things like that, and it's just kind of like a kind of goes back and forth and all that stuff. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a fun setting. It's just great, and it's a direct parallel to uh, the Riverdale series, which um, they've alluded that they could do crossovers in the future um, between the two series because Riverdale is based off the Archie comics, but it's very dark as well. Not as dark as Sabrina gets, but there's a lot of dark content. The work with cults and things like that that happen in the world, so it is interesting. It's kind of a very dark Scooby Doo esque world in the Archie um, the thing, yeah. and so yeah, um, that that timeless setting though that both shows have is quite cool it comes gives off some really cool fashion like the things that people wear and the stuff like that are just kind of weird kind of timeless pieces that i don't know it just aesthetically is cool yeah i think that's really good about it too is it does capture that whole like living in a small town that once had witches aspect to it like there is like the whole like lore of like there being witches in the town and things like that and um like there's like the three antagonists for um, the main characters are essentially this coven of witches that are based kind of off of the three witches from like Macbeth. If you kind of like look at it that way, Um, (laughs) the villain is exactly who you think it's going to be right off the bat. Um, There's like major like plot points with like Satan himself. There's like good mystery intrigue. Like it really captures all that stuff. And um, to kind of show that this, movie or that this show did such a good job of like reflecting like the exact opposite of catholicism by like having like that strong like like satan church thing going for it um they they use really common phrasing and like rituals that are so like akin to what it'd be like to go to a catholic church in like the exact opposite uh direction so like you don't have a baptism you have like an Mm anti-baptism and like you still sign your name into the book like when you're like being baptized but instead of like signing it, you sign it in blood and like things like that so it just has like that really fun like ritualistic aspect that you kind of get from catholicism the show also has a really good um just between the um 
the occult world and the regular life world. And when she goes back to school mm-hmm. and goes back to that and how they mirror them together is quite cool. Mm-hmm. The school, um, the school scenes are quite cool. I kind of felt a lot of times when she went like, so back to the, um, the wizard, I'm oh, sorry, the wizard, the witch and the things that I wanted to go back to the, the regular school. Cause I liked her friends so much. Um, was it Rosalind? Mm-hmm. And, um, Oh yeah. Rosalind and, uh, um, Theo. Theo. Yeah. Well, Susie, but Theo. I, I'm just going to go ahead and let that be a spoiler, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I really like those characters a lot. Um, Harvey is actually my least favorite of those characters, but I still like him. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I also like how, because I watched the old um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch series when it was on mm-hmm. the on TGIF, because we watched that as a family, and it was kind of fun to see like a twisted version of like a like a family safe <laughs> show. I mean, your kick is just so not safe for family. Um, yeah, I would not recommend any of my family watch this show because I know that they wouldn't like it. But um, yeah, if um, if you've ever watched like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, like she has her familiar who is Salem, yeah. who is like a talking cat, and he's like an animated like like so puppet, badly like, done uh, too. puppet, <laughs> like horribly done, just like the head rotates and like a leg goes the other way and things like that. Um, she does have that familiar in this show as well. Um, however, it's very spooky, and there is like a scene where like it just like eats a demon yeah like wholeheartedly and it's just like oh good job familiar you like you protected her but it doesn't talk either because yeah. the, the original one was yeah it doesn't talk super cheesy jokes super campy yeah um, it's just fun because like the, the, all the main characters there like you have you know hilda and zelda in the old series but they're super campy you have ambrose who doesn't i don't remember being as like a major character in the old series but he was definitely in it and um mm-hmm. yeah so of course, it's been so long since I've seen that series. Um, yeah, I could be forgetting things. It's but been a long time. It was yeah. kind of cool to see that. And in fact, I remember watching a YouTube video where they had some of the original cast watch the new series and and their reactions, and I thought that was quite funny too. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. whoa. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like um, watching the ants interact is really funny. Watching them kind of deal with Sabrina, but not like. I, I guess deal with Sabrina is, is the wrong way to say it. Um, to watch them support Sabrina in all the bad decisions that she makes. And all the good decisions that come of it, or the good results that come of it, yeah, is really fun to watch too. Because like they really do fill that like parental role very well in a in a way, just by letting her kind of experience like being a strong female teenager and making her own choices. Which I also want to say, um, this show does such a good job of showing like women can be strong and independent and make their own choices, and teenagers can be independent and be okay and like come out just fine and like you don't have to worry so much just like let let teenagers be teenagers i think it does a really good job of showing that because teenagers teenagers don't get given enough credit in my opinion she also showed um the um, more of the acting chops of michelle gomez um she has played crazy characters pretty much everything i've seen in, in there's an old um medical comedy that she was in where she played the hr director and of course in this one she plays mad and satan and then um in doctor who she plays the master and um, all of them have always had like a bit of um, craziness to them, and she pulls it off so well. Mm-hmm. She um, does a really good job. So that's one of the few actors that I got to meet at a convention and um, talk to and ask questions to, and she was really cool to talk to and stuff. It was interesting because it was in New Zealand, and she did it through webcam. And while we were talking, her son came in. And you got to see her be like a mom for two seconds. Like, I told you not to come in here. And, stuff. and it was it just so humanized <laughs> her because she always plays these crazy off the wall, like kind mm-hmm. of bad guys. And she is a very fun, energetic and 
cool person to see live. You can tell when people really enjoy their jobs when you go to like conventions yeah. and stuff. So the, the people who, oh my gosh, it's a convention full of nerds and I have to talk to them. And you can kind of, you get that vibe. And then you have what I call like the Star Trek Next Generation crew, where they just seem to love the fact that the crowd loves them and they're always there. They're always kind of happy. Um, whenever you watch like Riker, the guy who plays Riker in any kind of like live setting, he just lights up the room. He's super energetic and he he's there. And it's just really cool to see um, those actors when they do that. And I've seen them on both, um, both, Go both ways, and Michelle's one of those ones that's my my cool. favorite. My favorite Riker moment is um when he was at um a comic con I went to a while back. He did that that Riker chair sit thing that he does the Next Generation, like, and everyone just like mm-hmm. lost it. Because if you ever watch the Next Generation, he does this thing where he doesn't ever just like pull out a chair and sit in it. He like throws his leg over and sits down in the chair, like. It's just really funny. So, like, he, like, did that going on a stage one time, and everyone, like, lost it. It was so cool. Yeah, I watched an um, interview, and he actually explained why he does that. He has a back problem, and if he sits down in the chair normally, it can really spike the back problem. He has to stop filming and a bunch of things like that. So, he um, did that step over thing because that prevented him from um, basically delaying production or whatever because of back issues. But it became such a part of his character that I can't imagine him not doing that. But yeah, um, pretty much, yeah, that's that's my topic right there. Uh, simple, short thing, yeah. If you like occulty um, fantasy stories, this is probably up your alley. If the cult isn't your thing, then I would probably stay away from it. But yeah, it's a, it's um, it's well written, it's well produced. The yeah. cast is really good. It's aesthetically pleasing. Um, yes, yeah. um, it is a it is rated TV fourteen. Um, so if that's any concern for you at all, there's there's no like nudity, there's no like like obscene gore. Like I think there's a little bit of blood in there. Um, there's a little bit of cursing. There's um things like that, but it's not like I think there's like creepiness. Is probably what what one of the things that's like rated. Yeah, it's like there's some creepy scenes, there's creep, creepy monsters, um, people doing yeah. just mean things to each other. Um, so yeah, that that's all part of it. But it's like I said, well written. And uh, it's a good, it's a good story. At least the two seasons I've seen so far. <laughs> yeah, there, there is a lot of bullying in it as well. So, um, if that is something that's not up your alley, then I would definitely recommend staying away from it. But they, they do deal with the bullying. Like, it's not just like bullying goes on. Like, the bullying is resolved and stuff. But it is in there just for anyone that's triggered in any way, shape, or form by that. So. Yeah. I do say though, if you do want to get rid of a bully, don't follow what they do in the show because I'm pretty sure that's illegal. <laughs> And yeah, you have to have magic. but that's a but yeah, that that's neither here nor there because they're yeah. using witchcraft to do that. So. Exactly. Yes, that's yeah. not real. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has to it has to be said. Like, if you're gonna watch a show with witches and like them doing evil things, and then you see a one of your favorite characters being bullied, you know that there's gonna be some resolution to that. Yeah. So. Um, but, um, with, with that being a kind of a shorter thing to kind of, uh, counter like that extensive story for Innistrad, um, uh, what is, uh, what are your like nerdy things you've been kind of focusing on this week? Well, to kind of stick with the magic theme, um, one of the topics I want to talk about, but realized I talked about TV shows two weeks in a row, so I didn't want to talk about another TV show as my topic was, um, magic came out with what they call secret layers. And these are very limited time sales um this one um goes on for hmm, i want to say just um it's like seven days right no this one has a little bit longer it's like 25 days left um of it so it's probably still on sale by the time this will be released maybe it's not um 
but it's basically what they do is they take um, cards that existed most times, or sometimes they make new cards and they um, give it new art treatments and they sell them for a very limited time. And right now they're doing the Halloween stuff and there's a lot of really cool Halloween themed ones, but the one that caught my eye was their Stranger Things secret layer that has um, nine cards, well, technically um, eight cards and one token um, based off of the show Stranger Things. And it's kind of cool. It has all the kids from the show. It has um, Jim Hopper, the sheriff from the show, as characters you can play in the game. It also has the Mind Flayer as a player character that you can play mm-hmm. outside of this secret layer. And, of course, secret layers take a few months to come out. So this will come out probably in January of next year once you actually get them. So you pre-order them now. You get them later on because they're printing to order, basically. And, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a fun little set. Yeah. Um, well, the uh, pretty much the only thing I've been working on is uh, NaNoWriMo stuff. Uh, oh, NaNoWriMo, nice. as of as of this episode coming out, is going to be uh, starting in eight days. So I am pretty much finished outlining. I have officially decided I am not doing a single novel. I'm going to be doing an anthology of uh, short stories. Oh, cool. Um, so what I've decided is um, I'm going to try and make each one anywhere from Three thousand to eight thousand words, and uh, just kind of go from there. So when you so break that down, it's are they going to be yeah. in, individual stories that are separate from each other? Or are you going to do like a um, Hyperion type thing where they're linked together? They're all going to be one setting, so they're not. Maybe they'll link together, maybe they won't. But it's all going to be one setting. Um, I already have like the concept put together for at least uh, six ones so far. So we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, have you read Hyperion? Um, I have not read Hyperion. Oh. I know the concept of it. I know there's three books in the series, but I've only read the first book. I had a second book I need to read, but I highly recommend the first book if you like short stories, because mm-hmm. it's like it's basically kind of like um, uh, the Canterbury Tales, where there's a bunch of people going to a destination together, and they each kind of tell their story, and it like builds on the world around them. But it's sci-fi, and it's quite cool. And so, um, yeah, I highly recommend that if you have not read it, um, just because your your story made me think of that. Um, yeah. Oh, one more thing I'd like to plug, if you have time, um, is I've um, been working for a while with um, a friend of mine, Marcel, um, to create a board game called Orange Shall Overcome, and we just launched a Kickstarter yesterday. And um, as of this recording, we've hit our halfway mark um, uh, for funds. And yeah, it's uh, basically a game that goes over the Dutch resistance and during World War II. And you basically take on a, a real historical character um, who basically resisted the Germans in in um, the Dutch resistance. But yeah, the um, the board game is on Kickstarter right now. I highly recommend if you like historical board games to check it out. Um, it's quite cool. And you can help a new designer. Marcel um, hasn't designed a game before. Um, he brought me on to kind of help polish up the game, but the game is very much his design. And it's very cool to see um, new designers put out new stuff and that mm-hmm. was um yeah something i helped him with so yeah check out uh orange shell overcome support indie game designers support indie books support support everything indie independent so uh yeah um other than that i think that is pretty much a good wrap for the show so um i hope you are still enjoying this very spooky season yes um you can find me on my instagram and you can find Andrew at his uh, YouTube page, which is Timelapse GS, which yes. stands for Game Studio. So, yep. And again, I'll put a link to each of those into our bio. Um, 
other than that, um, I'm Nate. And I'm Andrew. The and fun and mental nerds. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> yeah, bye bye for now. Thank you for listening to today's show. We're both so glad we were able to share some of our favorite spooky, scary things with you. We are going to be putting a link to the topics we talked about today in our show notes, as well as a link to all of our social media. I also want to give a big thank you to Kevin McLeod on Incomtech for allowing us to use the two songs we used today. The first one being One-Eyed Maestro and the second one being Dance of Deception. A link to those songs will also be in our show notes down at the bottom. Other than that, we just want to say thank you so much. We hope you enjoy this spooky season and you have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye.